Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with each and every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, the fact that we can join together like this. We thank you for the uh, gift of modern technology, God, that we can use it in this way. And I just pray, Lord, that in this moment, as we gather around your word, as we lean into your wisdom, uh, that we would hear from you, that we would encounter you, uh, that we'd grow deeper in our relationship with you. I pray that you would speak to me and through me, to each and every one of us, uh, and that we would be forever changed through this encounter with you. And pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, good morning. It is great to be able to share with you today as we launch into our new series, Pathways, the quest for wisdom. It sounds adventurous and exciting straight away, doesn't it? The quest for wisdom. Uh, and so we're going to spend some time over the next four or five weeks uh, in the book of Proverbs, uh, as well as other scripture, but based out of Proverbs, this book of wisdom to learn what it is to grow in wisdom, to seek wisdom, not only just to get smart, not only to fill our heads with knowledge, but actually to grow deeper in our relationship with God as creator, and then to steward this wisdom, to learn what that looks like, to be wise leaders, be wise stewards in this world that we live in. And I don't know about you, but I feel like here in this season right now, uh, the world needs heavenly wisdom perhaps more than ever before. That might be a stretch, I don't know, but we need kingdom wisdom uh, and we need to be sons and daughters of the living God who can release that wisdom into the world around us and speak that out around us. So we're going to uh, be looking at some various parts of uh, Proverbs and a couple of other pieces of scripture. So if you have your Bible there, whether that's the paper Bible or you're using the, following along in the YouVersion app, or a tablet, phone, or a scroll, however you want to engage with the Word today. I encourage you to get that out. You might like to take notes as well. I find that helpful just as a a good way to engage with what's being said, help me to remember, take it on board, and help me to process it. So you might be a note taker. I encourage you to do that as well. So we're going to uh, kick off. We're going to start right at the very beginning of Proverbs. So a little bit of background information. We'll dig into this a little bit further. Uh, But most of Proverbs uh, written by King Solomon, known to be one of the wisest men to ever live. And we're going to discover exactly why that is. So Proverbs 1, here is a beautiful thing when the book tells you exactly why it was written. And we have it here, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. So already three verses in, uh, we're talking about wisdom definitely, but also talking about discipline. Discipline is mentioned twice in the first three verses. Uh, We need to sit up and pay attention when scripture repeats itself. And discipline is about learning. Uh, It's about being shaped um, so that we can learn and so that we can grow in who we are. Going on, verse 4, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. 
And here's one of the, the core verses that I, I believe um, highlights why we would even want to go on this adventure, this quest for wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, sorry, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So if you don't want to be foolish, um, don't despise wisdom and discipline. Straight away we have this encouragement, this invitation on why we would want to learn and be shaped and to grow and be nurtured by our Heavenly Father to actually grow in this wisdom. Um, one of the other verses I feel that highlights why we would want to do this, you don't have to turn there, Proverbs 9, um, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let me read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I don't know about you, but I've heard this expression, the fear of the Lord. I heard it for so long growing up. And I'm like, what exactly does that mean? And uh, like, why would I be afraid of the God of all creation, the God who is love and who loves me? But it's not about being afraid. It's not like having a phobia as you might of having spiders or a phobia of snakes or being afraid of the dark. No, fear of the Lord is actually being filled with such awe and reverence that we, we come before him with trembling and fear. We, we come face to face, as it, is, as it were, with, with the God of all creation, the one who knows us intimately, that we can't help but tremble with awe and holy reverence. It's actually an invitation to, to draw near to him and to discover more of who he is and what he's like. In fact, that's the purpose of the whole of Proverbs, is this invitation. But I want to highlight that uh, wisdom, I feel, begins in the home. We have this book written by Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, but it wasn't just something that he sat down and thought, do you know what? I'm going to get these thoughts down and they're going to be famous for all the wisdom that it contains. No, it actually came from the generation before him. So much is learned um, in the home. We kind of know it, but we take it for granted sometimes. I learned amazing things. Um, I still learn amazing things at home. Learned amazing things growing up. I remember this one occasion. Uh, I was a kind of, it was in Ballarat when we were growing up. I was in primary school and I'd been somewhere with dad and I came home and I still can take you to the front doorstep of Four Lovenier Grove, Ballarat, standing there with my dad and he's unlocking the door. Uh, and it was a kind of a cloudy day, a bit overcast. And I said to my dad, Dad, what's thunder? Where does thunder come from? And my dad, without batting an eyelid, without breaking stride, without missing a beat, without like not even treating it with any sense of humour, says straight off, thunder is pigs rolling around in heaven. Thunder is pigs rolling around in heaven. Now, I don't want to burst your bubble. Thunder is not pigs rolling around in heaven. It's something to do with warm air, cold air. I, I don't know. I can't give you the proper explanation. I know it's not pigs rolling around in heaven. But in that moment, as this kid that looked up to his dad and, you know, everything, when at that age, everything your parent says is just gospel. And I just thought, all right, sounds reasonable. Pigs rolling around in heaven is what causes thunder. 
Now, I know it's not the truth, and you know that's not the case. And I'm sure in that moment, Dad knew for sure that it's not pigs rolling around in heaven. But that was the answer that he gave in that moment. Do you know what? I held on to that as the reason for thunder for so many years? I, like, obviously, by sometime in high school, I've learned or figured out, actually, it's not pigs rolling around in heaven. But I remember thinking for a long time, that, that, that's the truth. And obviously, I still remember to this day that that was the answer that my dad gave. Um, I'm just blown away by the fact that I, I, that I held on to it as truth for so long. And it kind of gets me thinking about the answers that I give to my kids when they ask me these really serious questions, when they want to learn something, and I have these throwaway answers or I'm a bit flippant, and then I'm like, hmm, maybe that's not the greatest idea, because they might actually hold on to that and bank on that for some time to come. So <clears throat> it's caused me to uh, think about how, <laughs> how I answer my kids and what I say to my own kids. But that's not the best example, but that's one example where that's an example of what I learned and what I held on to um, from just one moment of, I don't know that we could call it wisdom in this instance, but something that I learned from my dad growing up. And this is what we have when it comes to the Proverbs. It's, it's not just Solomon going, do you know what, let me write all these down. No, if you go back, you'll actually see that David was considered to be wiser, more wise than any of Saul's servants. You read about this encounter um, that David has with Saul. Saul wants to kill David. And it actually says that David was more wise than any of Saul's servants. And let me show you. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to read to you the impact that this has on Solomon. So this is Solomon writing to his sons about the wisdom that he's received. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me and he said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. No matter what the cost, David says to Solomon when Solomon's a lad, no matter what it costs, get wisdom and get understanding. This seems to be one of the most prevalent teachings that David imparts to Solomon, that Solomon remembers and records this not only for his own sons, but for all of us to read through Scripture today. So Solomon receives this, this gift, almost this passion, this desire to grow in wisdom and understanding, to, to learn and to be disciplined um, from his dad, David. But then Solomon has this amazing encounter with God. If you, you can go and read about it in 1 Kings chapter 3. It's just after Solomon becomes king of the nation. His dad, David, has died and Solomon assumes the throne. And God comes to Solomon in a dream and says to Solomon, Solomon, ask of me whatever you want and I will give it to you. Ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. What would you, what would you answer if God asked that of you? Ask of me whatever you want and I will give it to you. And so Solomon he doesn't answer. He doesn't say, well, I want all the money in the world or I want all my enemies to be dead. He says, God, I want to lead your people well. 
Give me a heart of discernment. Wow. Give me a heart of discernment. And so God says, good call. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. Good call. Because I will give you a heart of understanding, a heart of discernment, a heart of wisdom. And because you didn't ask for me to slay all your enemies or you didn't ask for all the riches of the world, I'm going to give them to you too. So Solomon has this incredible encounter and receives this gift of wisdom and discernment and peace in his nation and riches and untold wealth through this encounter with God. Why? Because it was sown into him as a boy. Get wisdom no matter what it costs. And it could have cost Solomon very well if God says, okay, that's the one thing that I will give you. But Solomon was willing to lay everything else on the line and say, I want discernment and wisdom. What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to say no to in order to say yes to God when God says, what is it that's on your heart? What is on our hearts that we would actually ask that of God? And so Solomon receives this gift from this encounter, this incredible dream that he has with God and grows in wisdom and understanding. Proverbs is, is more than this list of you know, cute statements or fridge magnets or awesome quotes that you can put up on Instagram. Um, I, I Proverbs is 31 chapters long. You can read it in a month, most months, maybe not this month, but next month you could read a chapter a day and read it through in a month. And there's some incredible, there is some incredible wisdom that can be gleaned just from reading it, just from spending some time in uh, what God has to say through his servant Solomon to us even today. But it's more than just like these short statements. This is an invitation into deeper relationship with God. When he gives us his word and he says, here is the way to live an incredible life. Here is a way to be empowered and to grow in wisdom and, and learning and understanding, to be disciplined by me as your heavenly father, by those that have gone before you. Here is the way that you can grow in that. And so we can receive that invitation and press deeper into the father heart of God by spending time, not only in Proverbs, but all of scripture, but particularly to grow in wisdom in these Proverbs that we've been given. The Hebrew word, uh, for Proverbs, it, it, it has two meanings. One we would probably know or be able to figure out. It means pithy statements that express wisdom, um, short moments, short lines of parables or, or learning, even riddles. As you'll see if you read Proverbs, there's different riddles in there um, that are put to us by Solomon, all to express what wisdom is and what wisdom looks like. There's a second meaning to this Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is mashal. And the second meaning is to rule or to take dominion or to reign with power. Rule, take dominion and reign with power. Now we can say those phrases and think, that kind of feels a bit uncomfortable. That doesn't seem like caring and kind and, and generous. But when God invites us to actually reign with power, it's not the kind of um, tyrannical power that comes in over the top and just wants to squash people and, and rule the way that we would want and be a dictator or, or something evil. No, it's an invitation to actually reign with power as Jesus reigns with power, as God, the creator of the universe, reigns with power. 
When we as sons and daughters of God don't, when we rule with power, it's not to the detriment of the people that we want to lead. It's actually for the better of everybody, including ourselves. When I reign with power, it's, it's me operating out of my gifts and anointings. It's me being aware of who I'm made to be, who God has made me to be, and to grow and learn in that. It's to know that I'm in control of myself, and I don't need to control other people. It's me not living in fear of what other people might think of me, but me to step into the fullness of who God has made me to be. And so we have Proverbs, which actually helps shape us in this quest as we learn and grow what it is to reign with power. There's incredible advice in here. There's, there's business advice and there's relationship advice and family advice, financial advice. Um, I think there's, there's stuff about food that we eat and how we steward the resources that we have. One of the aspects of Proverbs that really stands out to me is how many times it talks about what comes out of your mouth what are the things that are on your tongue? Here's a couple uh, just to highlight what God has to say. The, uh, Proverbs 15 verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You might have heard some of these before. How about 15 verse 23? A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word? 16 verse 23. A wise man's heart guides his mouth. And his lips promote instruction. But here's one of my favourites. And I've shared this with people and they've said, that's in the Bible? I'm like, yes it is. Proverbs 18 verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Let me read it again. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat it's fruit. It's quite amazing that the power of life and death is in our tongue, in my tongue and your tongue. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, the words we speak have the power of life and death. It's something amazing to get our heads around, but think about it for a minute. God, at the beginning of all creation, creates the world and everything in it and creates humankind. Male and female, he made us in his image. How did God bring creation into being? By speaking it out. By the very words that he spoke, creation came into being. You and I were made through the words spoken by God. That's astounding. That's astounding. So we are made in his image to reflect his goodness and his likeness and to operate the way that God does. And so we have the power of life and death in our tongues. What are we speaking life over? What are we speaking death over? There's a lot of talk at the moment. There's a lot of panic going on. There's a lot of hopelessness. It's easy to partner with the negative voices, the naysayers that say, well, it's the end of the world or it's all doom and gloom. This is the worst that's ever going to happen. And we need to be mindful of the reality and deal with the reality and not be ignorant. But we can also speak life, speak hope and speak truth. This is actually reigning with power. This is lives filled with kingdom wisdom. 
that we would actually speak the truth despite the circumstances around us? What is the truth that God wants us to speak out? What is the kingdom reality despite what we see around us? The reality is God is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We do not need to be afraid or discouraged. I was thinking earlier about um, listening for God's voice um, and what voice is the loudest in my life. And thinking about uh, watching my son, I love watching my kids play sport. I remember watching my son Thomas play football. He did Auskick before we went to America. And I don't know about you, but if you've watched kids play football, you watch them play any sport, and if the ball's up the other end, or if the activity's up the other end of, of the court or the field, the kids down here, especially like if they're young, they might kind of get a little bit distracted, have their own little tea party down here, not really paying attention to what's happening up there. They're just down here doing their own thing. And then as the ball starts to come back to them, then they start to get engaged with it. Maybe, perhaps. But I remember watching Thomas one time. And he's, he's kind of interested, but he's talking to the lads around him. Um, and I would just call out, say, go, Thomas. Get in there, Tom. Get in there, son. And he wouldn't necessarily look over me or give me any more attention, but he would spring to life. He would be back in there, he'd be chasing after the ball, fully participating in what's happening. And I feel like that is an image of what it happens when we hear from God, whether it's through a dream, whether it's through scripture, a moment in prayer, an encounter in worship, whether an encouraging word from a friend or a card or whatever it might be. But we have these moments where we hear from God and we're encouraged, we're spurred back into um, discovering the fullness of life and who we were made to be, all because we have this word from our Father. Rather than being distracted by whatever it is or feeling like we're left out or all alone, we can actually press into the Father heart of God and discover what he's saying, discover more of his heart, what he's thinking, what is on his mind. I, I encourage you, maybe you're having, you have these, a dry season in prayer and you're like, oh, I just don't know what to pray about. I don't know what to say. And There's all sorts of scriptures that um, speak to what to do in a situation like that. But one of my responses sometimes is to say, ask God, what do you want to talk about? And hear what God has to say to you in that season, in that moment. But it gets me to think, where, what is the noise, especially at the moment with all the media, all the press, all the information statistics that are coming out about coronavirus and how to cope and how to live in isolation, how to do this, that and the other. What's the noise that's actually louder than God's voice in my life at the moment? What am I listening to that is drowning out the voice of God? What is pulling me away from drawing near to him? The book of James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What do I need to pull away from and actually draw near to God to hear his voice, to seek his face. What have I spoken death over in my life? Maybe there's something in your life where you've just given up all hope. It might feel really easy at the moment in the current situation that we're in, but we can also choose the words that we speak 
and the thoughts that we think about the situations that we face. And that might be you've spoken death, so to speak, over your marriage, over your children, over your family, over your business, over your finances, over relationships. Where have you spoken death that needs life spoken over it instead? And this isn't judgment or condemnation. This is an invitation, as all of Proverbs is, as all of Scripture is, to actually discover more of the Father heart of God and to discover what he has in store for us. Maybe you're watching this and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've found this online um, church gathering and this is, might be the first time that you have participated in this. And maybe you're hearing all about this and you're like, what is actually going on? I, I don't understand what you're talking about. But let me tell you that Jesus Christ is actually the personification of wisdom. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 that Jesus Christ is wisdom, the one who makes holiness and righteousness available to us through his coming. And so maybe you don't have that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is or you haven't accepted him as Lord and Saviour of your life. And you might feel like, oh, I don't have all the answers. Let me tell you, I've been a follower of Jesus. I accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour of my life more than 30 years ago and I'm still figuring it out. I've realized I will always be figuring this out. And so if that's you, if, if you haven't received Jesus, but you realize this is the moment in time when you have to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer when you can invite him in to lead you in your life and to surrender your entire life over to him. So if that's you, I just want to pray with you now. I invite you to pray what I pray in this moment. So Jesus, thank you that you are God's son. Thank you for your death and your resurrection from the cross. Thank you that you defeated death once and for all. Thank you that you forgive my sins. I repent of my sins. I leave my sins behind. I take a hold of what you have to give to me. Jesus, in this moment, I forgive those who have sinned against me. I take a hold of the life that you have to give me and the fullness of wisdom and hope and righteousness. Lead me today and every day in the life that you would have me live, King Jesus. I pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations isn't enough. We're excited with you and for you. Uh, but we would love to connect with you. We would love to connect with you and to uh, cheer you on uh, and to support you and champion you as a son or daughter of God. We just invite you to uh, reach out and connect with us uh, at life at horsham.org.au. Just let us know that you received the invitation to follow Jesus and let him be Lord of your life. And we will get in touch with you over the coming week uh, and make further conversations with you to support you in that Maybe you're a follower of Jesus. You've been a follower of Jesus for so long. Maybe it might be a month, a week, a year. You can't remember when you uh, began to follow Jesus, although most people can remember the moment they gave their life to follow Jesus. But maybe you feel like disconnected or overwhelmed or hopeless. And I just want to bless you in this moment. I want to bless you with the spirit of wisdom 
with discernment, with understanding. Even in this moment, I just hear the word discipline being said again, that every single one of us would actually allow ourselves to be disciplined by Father God. Not that we would be shunned or shamed or in pain, but we would actually be shaped into who he made us to be. So I bless you with wisdom and I bless you with space and time to actually draw near to God, to discover more of the father heart that he has for you as his son or his daughter. May your house be a place of peace and rest, a a sanctuary to discover who God is and what he has in store for you. Thank you for joining with us today. Um, (laughs) I love that you've uh, been a part of this, whether you're watching it live on a Sunday morning or watching it some other time. I know that God is outside of space and time and he uh, is able to speak to you in this moment. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us, you want to know more, you can email us life at horsham.org.au and one of our team will get in touch with you over the coming week. And uh, we look forward to continuing the journey and discovering more of the wisdom that God has in store for every single one of us as we learn what it is to reign with power. Bless you. Have a great week. Goodbye.